called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question, adventures in reporting with your host, Brian Karam. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today uh, we are in Laredo, Texas, speaking with local anchor and reporter Ann Hutera, right? Got yes, it right? that's right. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, been here for 15 years, a, a guaranteed member of the enemy of the people and fake media, but doing her job in Laredo, Texas, and we'll probably know some of the issues that we're going to talk about as far as the border goes, and I really do appreciate you doing this. Um, I want to just, uh, the title of the program is Just Ask the Question, so I'm just going to ask the question. Okay. Do we need a wall in Laredo? They're, they're proposing 55 miles of wall here. You know, th- that is a question that I hear people talking about here in Laredo on the streets every single day. Um, You can't ignore that it's been in national spotlight now for months. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, they've shut down the government because of it. (laughs) You know, that is a tough question to answer because it depends on who you ask. Uh, You know, our border patrol. It's in my opinion, it is not a national emergency. As someone who lives here on the border, right on the border, I see the river every day. I see the international bridges. I go downtown to Laredo, where you can see right across the river into Mexico. There is no national emergency, in my opinion. You do not have people lined up at the border trying to make their break into the United States. No invasion imminent. No invasion. That's not to say we don't have problems and we don't have issues, which we do. And if you ask someone on the Border Patrol, they will tell you that there are portions of the border that they have a hard time patrolling. And so in those areas, they feel a wall is necessary. And I see that point. Exactly. But if you were to come to downtown Laredo and put a wall in that part of our county and our city, you would do detrimental things to our border economy and the infrastructure of our city. I mean, if you've never been to downtown Laredo, it's it's beautiful. a nice, beautiful place to see the river and the way it divides two countries. And to see a barrier there would just be unnatural. I mean, you've heard the argument that the river in itself is a natural barrier. Actually, last night, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, the, the I, I talked to a Mexican Border Patrol agent, and she goes, what do you need a wall for? Mm-hmm. You already got a river. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and there are parts of the border, like in the deserts of Arizona, where you don't have that barrier, where there, and is, there are fences uh, there and already. There are fences there. And so I totally understand having a fence in those parts of the border. Um, but to have one here in Laredo, to me, it does not make sense. Let's talk about some of the troubles that do exist on the border that um, even the chief of police, when I spoke to him, said he gives props to the president for for talking about the border, but says it's kind of like right church, wrong pew type mm-hmm. of thing. They're, they're not hitting the real issues. And, you know, I, you've been here 15 years. I, I was here 30, God, I hate to say my age, but I was here 35 <laughs> years ago covering the border. It doesn't seem like the issues have changed much. In fact, it seems like some of 
them have been ignored. The the institutional generational poverty, for for example. Right. I mean, if you if you look at statistics as far as counties in Texas go, Webb County is one of the poorest, if not the poorest county in the state of Texas. Poverty is our big issue here. I mean, you have families who... On both sides. On both sides of the yeah. border. You have families who have to figure out every day where they're going to get their food from or how they're going to clothe their kids to send them to school. I mean, education is a big problem here. We've got overcrowded schools, um, a lack of education for a lot of kids. And, and so those are the big social issues that we have. Is border security an issue? Yes. Is immigration an issue? Yes. But we living here in Laredo don't necessarily deal with those day in and day out. Um, the big thing is is poverty, infrastructure in our city. I mean, you were here many, many years ago, and you came back now to see it, and you yourself said you've seen how much it has grown. However, our highways and our the streets infrastructure is still lacking. have not changed much. and so Well, at least they're paved, most of them <laughs> yes. now. There's still some that aren't, by the right, way. Right, right. I went down Jefferson Street by the water plant mm-hmm. where, uh, if anyone who knows the area knows, that used to be a very popular place for illegal immigrants to come right. across. And uh, some of those roads are still unpaved. Yes. You Thank know, you, Peppy Martin. <laughs> Laredo, if people don't know, is the largest inland port in the United States. And so the amount of truck traffic and cargo traffic that we have through this city is incredible. And we need the infrastructure for that. That is one of the major issues that our city council and our county have been trying to address Um, but haven't been all too successful in doing that yet. And so that makes it a headache for those of us who live and work here and don't really have anything to do with commerce. We know it's important because it drives our economy, but it makes getting around the city a big headache. Yeah, it does. And and you talk about um, the the other thing is health concerns. There's health issues I see in new hospital, but still there are or it's new one here when I was here, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, giving away my age. But uh, there seems to, I mean, that is also a concern here, the health issues. It is. You know, when you live on the border, you have certain diseases and conditions in Mexico that you don't necessarily have here in the United States because of vaccination and just the, the countries are very different. And so, Yes, don't drink the water. Right. It's not just a meme. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Right. You, it's very common for us to see cases of things here in Laredo like measles that you may not see elsewhere because it's coming from across the border. And so there is a border coalition, a health council that works to address those types of issues. But that's a problem that you have in all border cities because you just have different standards in the two countries when it comes to health and and health care and and because of the poverty here in Webb County there is a real lack of access to health care I mean you have so many people who just go without because they can't afford you know either their job they can't afford it through their job or they can't afford the Affordable Care Act um, and so there are always free clinics and free services that are being offered here in Laredo by these nonprofits who know that that is also a big issue Yeah, I see the mobile here. health, uh, yes. like at Rio Bravo and El Cineso, mm-hmm. there's a mobile health van that yeah. comes in. For those who don't know, Rio Bravo and El Cineso are two, they were called colonias at the time, they were illegal subdivisions that uh, specialized in selling to the poorest of the poor, including many mm-hmm. illegal immigrants. They've now, um, they've now incorporated in their, their own cities I, I remember when uh, I first got here, I, I asked for a tour of the area, and a sheriff's deputy took me a tour of the county, and he said, shit rolls downhill, and here's the bottom of the hill. Yeah. 
It's yeah. a very desperate condition. Still, 35 years later, it hasn't improved. It, it hasn't improved much. I mean, some of the streets are paved, but if you go through and you look at a lot of the houses, you can really tell that people are struggling and they're they getting by with whatever they can. And so, you know, th that is one of the major issues along the border that I think is ignored on the national level. Um, and there are more colonias than just Rio oh, Bravo yeah. and El Ceniso, some that are in much worse conditions with no running water, with no, you know, no paved no access. No sanitation, no and pavement. kids yeah. live in these areas. And every year when we have heavy rains, it's always an issue with the schools trying to get their buses out to pick up kids just so they can make it to school for the day. And so that, I think, is something that's ignored on a national level. That's what we should be talking about on the border. Well, and, and now that we've kind of spelled out what some of the issues really are on the border, I'd like to take kind of a look at how you see things on the border. Uh, the president says, you know, imminent invasion, uh, gangs and cartels are coming across. There was a national report the other day that said that uh, the cartels had come to Laredo and were tagging the uh, the area in the park that right. we were just talking about in, uh, in front of the uh, outlet malls used to be the Riverwalk mm -hmm. mall there uh, that they're coming through and tagging it and laying claim to their territory yeah you know we heard that comment it ran on CNN and we uh, that was surprised to us as well so of course we went down there ourselves with our cameras and we couldn't find what what this gentleman was talking about and we got the police department to meet us down there and ask them about it and of course it was false. We couldn't find that anywhere. And so I think what happens with Laredo is Laredo gets a really bad name in the national spotlight because of little tidbits that are taken and blasted all over the media and they're not true. And I think it gives Laredo a bad name and it really paints a horrible picture and makes Laredo seem like it's this scary, unsafe place to be. Uh, when that's not the case, you know, I've been here for 15 years. I, I, we talked yesterday and I told you I have no problem going out. I go out and run on the streets. I have no problem being by myself out at night. I don't feel unsafe. I mean, it's just like any city this size in the United it's, States, in uh, my opinion, you take precautions, but there's, there's no imminent danger on the street. Well, I've, I, as I said, I find it less dangerous than it mm -hmm. was 35 years ago. I mean, I sat out the water plant for overnight by myself looking for illegal immigrants. I found a few, uh, talked to Border Patrol, but never did I get the sense that I was in any physical harm. Mm -hmm. uh, I know talking to our local legend, Richard Heatwave Burler, <laughs> he might disagree because he got hit once while riding his bicycle, <laughs> but that was by local police. That was a different kind of danger. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. a different kind of danger. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't. And even there, I, I talk to people who have uh, friends and family over in, over in Nuevo Laredo, and um, that's a different story. There is a problem over there. So when the president talks about problems, there are problems in Mexico, but they're not making their way to the United States as much, right? I, I don't... I, I... To totally ignore and say there are no problems, I would think would be incorrect. There are problems, and they do make their way across, but not in the magnitude that I think is being portrayed. Yes, we have drugs that cross the border every day. We have illegal immigrants that cross the border every day. I mean, if you ask Border Patrol and CBP— changed. No, no. If you ask them for statistics for the past 5, 10, 15 years— 
you're going to see a lot of those have gone down. Some areas have gone up, but a lot have gone down. When it comes to drug busts, those have gone up. Uh, when it comes to the more dangerous drugs like fentanyl and, and cocaine, those have gone up. Heroin has gone up. Um, and so that is a bigger issue, in my opinion, than people waiting at the border trying to make it across. Well, and those who say a wall will stop those drugs coming across, um, it, we already see tunnels. Fentanyl can be, uh, as we talked about yesterday, you could put that in your purse. A, a you large, can easily yeah. smuggle that in. And and the real problem isn't that won't be solved by a wall so much. But when you talk to border patrol police officers, even the drug dealers that I spoke <laughs> with, they come, they take those drugs across the uh, the World uh, Trade Bridge. Right, right. right. They, they do. It's they, in, they, in hollowed out trucks. There and, are so many ways that they get these drugs into the United States. A lot of it is through cargo trucks. They sneak it in. They disguise it. They, A lot of it is through like a Honda or a Ford. They find a way to build a compartment and they hide drugs that way. Um, you also have body carriers that carry them in on buses. We've There have been arrests of even women that have, you know, the drugs taped to their bodies and they're in on a or bus with 80 people in a body and, cavity right exactly and then you have it shipped you have it flown in you have it like you mentioned tunnels i mean there are so many ways to get drugs into the united states uh how much is a wall going to stop if any right that's a good question no answers from the president yet i keep pushing on that one <laughs> the other one i uh is the gang violence now there are gangs there are drugs um I talked to Border Patrol, talked to police. There have been no Middle Eastern terrorists taken into mm -hmm. custody here. In fact, national statistics show that most of the Middle Eastern terrorists never came in through the south of the border, and that most terrorists are either homegrown or, uh, you know, flew in on an airplane right. like the rest right. of us. Uh, have you seen many Middle Eastern terrorists? No, in you know, I mean, in, in my all my years here, 15 years, there have been a handful of cases. Um it's not to say it, it's impossible and it doesn't happen. It does, but it's so few and far between. I mean, this year, the big thing was Bangladeshi nationals that our Border Patrol have uh, been capturing, trying to make it into the United States. They did have a big increase in Bangladeshi nationals coming over, but to say that all of those are terrorists or tied to terrorists is just not accurate. You know, one thing I did see, and maybe you can um, explain it to me, because I, I, I was frankly nonplussed by it. I was on the uh, the old International Bridge, the Walking Bridge, um, yesterday coming mm -hmm. back from Nuevo Laredo, and there was a line of about 24 people sitting there with luggage, suitcase, um, seeking asylum in the United States. They were from Cuba. Right. Some were from Africa Mexico, Venezuela, well. mm -hmm. Africa, uh, Georgia, Uzbekistan. Mm -hmm. I saw those people there in, trying to seek asylum. When I talked to customs agents there, he said, well, you know, no room at the end, and they kind of have to right. wait. And some of them wait for days and days and days. Mm -hmm. How long has that been going on? Because that, that's you know, new in my that's, experience. That's fairly new. Um, it kind of started <clears throat> last year with the whole Cuban nationals that came over. There, there were thousands of Cubans that came and waited in Mexico at the border to try to make it into the United States and beat the changes that happened as far as um, – allowing Cubans into the United States. And so uh, there is a big Cuban population. Recently, there were also a lot of Africans, I believe from the Congo, that came to Nuevo Laredo. And so there were several hundred that have been waiting there as well. And so when you go down to the International Bridge, you know, 
when you walk the bridge from the United States to Mexico, right in the middle is the line, and you right. see it. You see the line, and there's the plaque. It says it divides the two countries. And so, and you can't cross that line. Right, and what will happen is these uh, immigrants who are waiting, who have either filed or waiting to file asylum, they will line up at that line. And customs will only allow so many to be in line at once. So you have hundreds waiting in Nuevo Laredo, but you might have a couple dozen waiting in the middle of the bridge at that line. And they're waiting for their turn. And when there's room, then they're sent in to do their paperwork or whatever it is they're going to do. They, I was talking to the woman from Georgia who couldn't speak any English, couldn't speak. And we, we actually con- conversed in my pidgin French. She couldn't speak <laughs> Spanish, English, and I don't know much uh, uh, Russian. I, I knew enough to say thank you. Um, and so my Russian relatives are going to be angry with me, but I, I never learned anything other than the cuss words and thank you. But in speaking with her, I mean, she was fleeing um, – the conditions in Georgia, mm-hmm. and she had been there for two days and was afraid. She wouldn't even. She was afraid to leave to go to the bathroom. Right. They don't want to lose their spot. Right. Because they've waited for so long. So they don't eat. They don't go to the bathroom, and they're sitting. And the poor woman. She had to be seventy-five years old, right. and you, you sit there and you just feel eminently. You know em- what can you em- do? What can yeah. I do? Right. And and you feel empathy for them, but. Um, our country used to not do that. Right, and right. That, that's, I, I, I hadn't seen that before. And as you said, it's fairly new. I mean, that, those are, and then I, the other ones I ran into, I ran into um, a group of illegal immigrants. And for those who get upset with undocumented workers or illegal mm-hmm. immigrants, it, it's not a, I never saw it as a as a racial term. Did right. You? No. And, you know, that's we talked about that yesterday. That's something that's kind of over the past year. A lot of people have really started taking offense to the term illegal immigrant. And we use it on our newscast. And every time we use it, we have a few select people who will call or who will write and say, how dare you call someone an illegal immigrant? But I, I don't know but why. But they're here illegally. Right. They're an immigrant <laughs> that's here illegally. It's not, in my opinion, a racial or, slur or, a or condemnation. Term. Of, exactly. If I jaywalk, I'm a jaywalker. I mean, if you look at Border Patrol press release, they call them illegal aliens. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. at least we're not saying that. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, so, but I spoke with, so they are illegally immigrating. They're not legally right. immigrating. Mm-hmm. And it's that's the term that I was taught and used out of respect. But I think that's just a sign of how sensitive this issue has become for a lot of people. And for me, the people who I've had take offense to that are not here illegally. They're here, you know, they're of Mexican descent or they're of Hispanic descent and they live in America and they're an American, but they take offense to that because they feel we're condemning those immigrants but, by calling them illegal immigrants. I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just right. trying to recognize what you know what what happened. Right. Uh, so I was speaking to a group of them last night, and this group, I guess you would say, are undocumented workers. But not everybody who uh, immigrates illegally is an undocumented worker. Right. Some are fleeing. They're mm-hmm. they're actually refugees, and they're actively fleeing, yes. not actively working. Mm-hmm. But I did speak with, and they said, <laughs> you know, they come across. Every day, sometimes they come across legally, but when the traffic gets backed up at the bridge and they're late for work, they <laughs> get just, up, cut, they across. just cut yeah. across. Yeah, and they come and work, and then they they go mm-hmm. home. And I said, "Well, what will a wall do?" And and he goes, "Make me late for work." <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. 
<laughs> so I, 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 you know, I had to laugh a little bit, but I, there has to be a lot of that too. People come back and forth each day to work. Absolutely. And, and not just work school. We have a lot of kids that come from Mexico, believe it or not, and come to our public schools. And that's a whole issue in itself. That's that angers a, issue, a lot yeah. of people because they say, why are you coming across to our public schools that were that, you know, American people pay for. But that's the reality of the border is that you're all, you have that in every border city. It's been fluid for, I mean, at one point in time, Nuevo Laredo and Laredo were not even a part of the United States. They were in, they were their own country right. along with the other mm-hmm. cities along La Frontera right. in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, it's, these are two cities that have coexisted and lived together in perpetuity since their founding. That's right. And you have... You know, when I first moved here, you have families who live on both sides, and it's a daily ritual to go back and forth. Every right. weekend, you would go to Nuevo Laredo, you would see the family, you would cook out, you would go to mass, you would do some shopping, and then go uh, back. And then go back, and it was a it was a daily thing that happened between families, and that doesn't happen anymore because of the violence and because <clears throat> of the division that there is now. Well, you know, that was, you talk about that, and I was shocked, actually, when I went into Nuevo Laredo, and there used to be, you know, the Cadillac Bar and Mm -hmm. La Palapa, and there were clubs, and there were great places to eat, lots of shopping, and and mm -hmm. now it's just dentists and pharmacies, and... uh, the the goods are not there. And that's what most Laredoans who do go to Nuevo Laredo, if they're not visiting family, go for is the pharmacies for, for the medication or to go to the doctor because it's cheaper. Um, you don't have, when I first moved here, we would go on the weekends to go eat, to go shop, you know, right. go get a drink and then come back. And I haven't done that in about 10 years. It's been that long because it, it just got to the point where the violence got so bad that you stopped going because it wasn't safe if you were an American. That has died down, though, has it not? In a sense. I mean, I I, mean on this side of the Oh, border. on this side, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, on I mean, this there, side, used, there definitely. were times when there were, there were, as you were saying yesterday, indiscriminate mayhem on this right. side of the border. Right. My, my first two years here in Laredo, there was a lot of spillover. There was major spillover violence. There were... High murders in in those two years. There were murders in broad daylight on the streets. And, um, you know, you have to hand it to our police department because they took control of that. And they, I think the amount of law enforcement we have here in Laredo has really helped keep the violence from spilling over. But it did spill over for a while. Um, And I I think that still makes headlines. And a lot of people still think that is the Laredo today. When you keep it in context, Mm -hmm. I mean... The president saying that there is a national emergency um, and that it threatens the nation and there's an invasion. What we're talking about really is life as it has always been on the border, right? I mean, right. there are fluctuations where there's violence, there's nonviolence. There's this is I, I mean, I, I I did grimace a little bit over in in uh, Nuevo Laredo because I kind of. Missed, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to find a Carta Blanca beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found the Carta Blanca bar, and they didn't have Carta Blanca beer. And I used to love the Carta Blanca. I could get Dos Equis, but I couldn't get, or a Tecate, but I could not get, you know, a Carta Blanca. But um, that is, is a little off-putting to me to see that. But it's not 
the point where these people are going to invade the U.S. and our country and our sovereignty sovereignty is is is, is threatened, right? Yeah, and threatened. I and it, it concerns me to <clears throat> label this a national emergency because then what's your standard for national emergency? You know, I don't. I don't, in my opinion, see anything imminent right now, today. If I were to go down to the International Bridge, I would not see an emergency there in this moment. And so then what constitutes a national emergency if we call this a national emergency? Do we need better security on the border? Absolutely. I think we need more technology on the border. I think we need more agents, more boots on the ground on the border. I think that would be more effective than any kind of barrier. That right. you're going to put. Well, that's, you know, when you talk to Border Patrolmen who will actually talk to you, you know, for background, mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, you can't, can't attribute it to them because they don't want to get in trouble. But they say, look, a wall might might help a little bit, but why don't we take that money and look at the, and they always point to the traffic. Look at the traffic right. we've got. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough people working the border and we can't inspect every truck and we can't inspect every car but we could do a better job if we had technology and they could walk up and down the line and and scan cars right and, 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 do that. and you know there has been some great advancement in technology if you had a chance to go to the checkpoint they have the imaging scan yeah. there that these tractor trailers go through that detect these little tiny anomalies whether they're drugs or whether they're people um but not every truck goes through that. Not every vehicle is scanned. If there was more money invested into that type of security, I mean, if you ask these agents how much how much of the drugs they actually stop, they know it's like 4 or 5%, 10% maybe, that they're catching, and the rest is making its way into the United States. And that's just considered overhead for the drug right, dealers. Right. And when I spoke to the young drug dealer that I spoke to yesterday, he said, point blank, why would I take drugs you know, illegally across across the border and across a river, uh, and risk getting risk shot getting at caught, by yeah, a coyote right. or, uh-huh. or getting robbed by someone else. You mm-hmm. you put it in a truck and you don't worry about and it. And you just let it go. And mm-hmm. you let it go. And it's, so it's the cost is lower. The man uh, man hours are, are less. Mm-hmm. So the cost in manpower is less, and the danger factor right. goes down. Like you said, I don't want to get killed. I want to make money. Right. So that's, <laughs> why, why do it? So that's um, that. That's a good point that I don't know that we look at um, nationally. I think people say wall, and they think that there's that's going to stop everything. Yeah. and it's, it's you have to understand the different issues. You know, people coming over are not just the is not just the issue. Right, it's drugs. I mean, that to me is a bigger worry because of what the opioid epidemic and the heroin epidemic is doing to communities in all across this country. Yeah. And, and well, and who can forget that the reason why we have that problem is because we have a demand for right, the drugs. Exactly. <laughs> if there were exactly. no demand, it and wouldn't so matter how much you brought it. Yeah. It's a complicated issue. Yeah, and it, I don't know that a wall would solve that, and that's what I ask. And even when and you you've been here for fifteen years, so you probably know better than I. But when I speak to you know police and border patrol and customs. They all, you know, a wall would be not, like the border patrolman told me. He said, "Well, wall south of town for about five or ten miles mm-hmm. would be nice because, you know, it make my job a little easier. But I'd rather have that money put where, if you know, where it should be. Right, right. So, and I think that's the sentiment of most of them is, is, you know, a few places it would work, but for the most part, 
It wouldn't. Not here in Laredo. And I know every city along the border is different. Or the money would be better spent elsewhere. Right, would be, exactly. And every border city is different. They have their own challenges and their own issues. But I think, you know, we have a border council of mayors that got together, and they actually um, went down to McAllen this weekend where the president visited. And, you know, their stance as as a council is that we don't want this on the border because of what it's going to do to our economies and our cities. And he didn't talk to them, did he? I do not believe he went to their roundtable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the mayor here was quite upset about that. Yeah, I think they hoped he would come and at least listen, maybe not, maybe not, you know, have the discussion, but at least listen. Um, but I don't believe that he did. And yeah, I, yeah they, they were they were hoping that he would at least listen. Yeah, I read in the paper and I think I saw on your air, the <laughs> mayor, mayor was a little upset with how the area has been treated. I, do you think D.C.? understands the border the texas border in particular i don't as a whole i don't i think it's hard to understand it if you don't spend significant time here Uh, if you just see what makes the headlines or what's the story of the day you're getting just a tiny fraction of what life on the border is actually like you know being here 15 years when i first moved here um, it was it was a change of pace for me. I had never lived on the border before. I you know, I had never lived in a majority Hispanic community before, and so it was really different for me. But the people here are incredible people. They welcomed me, and they've been welcoming me for the past fifteen years. Some of this the is like my second I've ever home. Met in my life. Exactly, exactly. Hardest working people I've ever and met I, in my life. Exactly, and I think the border border communities get a really negative connotation. And you have to remember that there are people here that get up every day who just want to go to work, want to make their money, want to raise their kids, you know, <laughs> want to go to church on the weekend, want to enjoy family time. And that we're a community just like any other community. And I think that's overlooked because all that D.C. sees, in my opinion, is border security and a huge problem. And murders. And, and murders they're illegal and, immigrants coming right. across and raping and pillaging right. and murdering us. Right. Um, that is one of the things that I find most disturbing is the belief that there are hordes of illegal immigrants who are coming across the United States with nothing better on their minds than to loot and pillage right. and kill people. Right, right. And I, I think that's, you know, exasperated a bit. I mean, are there cases? Of course. But there's not thousands upon thousands of cases. That's not every person who's trying to get across the border. It's it's no. the small minority. Right. And as statistics show, crimes in immigrant communities are lower than in the general population. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, crime has gone down in Laredo over the years. The last time a police officer was murdered here, I covered that story in 1984, right. Victor Cerna. Mm-hmm. It's safe enough here that the police department, and that was considered an aberration then, and it had been 20 years since, and that was a domestic disturbance, and it had been 20 years since anything had happened in Laredo. Right. So. I think, you know, the biggest, we talked about this yesterday, crime in Laredo, the biggest thing we deal with is auto theft here, which our police department has really tackled and had those numbers go down as well. But if you look at major crime, we don't have major crime in this city like you see in some of the other bigger cities. Right. I, I mean, even with the presence of poverty, the presence of drugs moving through the area, the trucking, mm-hmm. this is a relatively safe community. It is. I mean, is. I had no problems walking any, and even on, you know, last night I was in uh, 
northern Mexico where the 20 bodies were found and people were going, oh, you know, it can't be, in, you know, it's dangerous to be there <laughs> after night. And I was there yeah. at mm-hmm. night and, you know, I had a cerveza. <laughs> I talked to the locals about the, the gang problems. I talked to uh, members of the cartel. Um, when they found out I was a report, particularly when they found out I worked for Playboy. Then, <laughs> they were interested to talk to you then. then. they would talk to me. Maybe that was my protection. I don't know. <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, even there wasn't – I have been in far more dangerous situations uh, in larger cities in the United States. So I, 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 I like you, wonder how do people get the wrong impression about the border thinking that they're – you know, I think, and and speaking from a TV news perspective, we're that would be good. always trying to hire reporters to come down to the border. And we have a really hard time because people have heard about Nuevo Laredo and the violence that happens there, and they automatically assume that that's Laredo. Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, for a lot of people, are one city. And they have this perception that what happens in Nuevo Laredo is happening in Laredo. And so we have had so many reporters deny opportunities to come work with us because they're afraid of violence or because they're young and maybe their parents have said, I don't want you to go live on the border. Uh, Chickens. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man, when I was a young reporter, I I would draw me in. Exactly. exactly. It did draw me in. That's why I came. And, you know, I have the opportunity a lot of time to talk to these reporters before they actually accept a job and come here. And that's one thing I always say. You know, Laredo, by numbers, is a small market, but we have big market News. news. And it's exciting. And that's one of the reasons I've stayed here for so long is because... I like covering the border issues. I like covering the drug war and the violence. To me, as a journalist, that is exciting to me, to yeah. be able to cover that and to be able to tell people what's happening. Um, but for a lot of people, it's a real turnoff. It's it's scary. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and I'll, and, and I'll say it to everybody who listens to this podcast. There are, I admire what you do, and I admire Thank what you. Richard, my buddy Heatwave, does. <laughs> You're very professional and very good, and you could go anywhere in the country. Heatwave is a legend yes. for the American <laughs> Meteorological yes. Society, and we could talk. We could do a whole show on Heatwave because <laughs> I, I mean, he's a very interesting fella, and and has caught a lot of scammers mm-hmm. and and um, a guy who tried to sell the city of Laredo on on making rain, almost <laughs> <laughs> almost like a a Hollywood musical, but he caught him, and but it's. The dedication to the craft and being here that puts you uh, ahead of, I mean, going after the career only. I mean, you're right. here, you're, you're married, and you and your husband's here, and you're here, and Heat Wave stayed here, and it's because of – I really do admire that because I think a lot of people get caught up in our business in the next gig. Right. And, then, and going high, and, exactly. and the craft itself is what matters. And, you know, I, I would be doing this if I were, you know – and I did. I ran a community newspaper for years. <laughs> I would because I love what we do, and I think people, when they call us fake media or any people, they don't realize that we're just trying to tell the stories of our community. Exactly. And I thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, why are you? Why have you stayed here for so long? Or why didn't you go somewhere else? And you know, it, it's because of this community and the way that it welcomed me and it. It felt like home, and and the issues became my issues because I live here and I have a six year old, and you know, and so 
telling those stories and bringing a girl. Oh, God bless you. (laughs) Telling those stories and bringing those issues to light is important to me, just like it is important to our viewers. And yeah, and I think in our business, it's really easy to get caught up in where am I going next? And that was my mentality also at first when I first got in the business. But, you know, then you just take a look at what you're doing and why you're doing it and that it's important. And yeah, that's what and the consolidation in this industry and the number of reporters that no longer exist. Right. I mean, you're we're sitting here in in your office and this station when I got here was KGNS Pro 8 News. Mm-hmm. Now it's KGNS KLD. I mean, it's yeah, we've KV, got five TV. networks here you're now. Five, right. You're five different stations in one building, and that's a consolidation of the network uh, of of the uh, properties of uh, media properties that has taken place. But you don't have reporters that you. No, we have don't have five stations of workers. We right. have the same people doing that job for all those networks, and that's the way this business has gone. And you know, and social media bring that into it, and that's really turned this business on the its problem head. I have with social media, and and I do think it's a good thing. I mean, I you know I've spoken with many people. I think the more you get out there, the better. And I've learned to produce stuff for social mm-hmm. media so that they can see produced news and what it's right. what it's like from someone who's had training. But the there's a lot of social media that's just crap <laughs> right right and that that's the part that hurts us what we do yeah yeah i agree with that that's it's very difficult well i read on uh <laughs> you know bright smart bingo news that <laughs> i'm going i never heard of this it's right. not a vetted news so well they say from. they are yeah some guy in his closet you know hiding from his mother going yeah. <laughs> 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 <That's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that that is uh, but how do you see the border playing out in the future. Take me five years down the road. What do you think? You know, I, I think that's hard to answer because that will depend on whether or not our lawmakers in Washington are going to decide that they're actually going to work together and do something. I mean, how many years now have we been talking about immigration reform and about border security? Years. And and have we actually seen any immigration reform or change in border security? No. And so if if they cannot come to some compromise and agreement, I don't see those issues changing much. I mean, I know here locally, our city and county will continue to try to tackle the poverty issue and the infrastructure issues that we have. Um, but It would be nice to have some national... Impetus behind that. What I got to tell you, it's you know I went down like I said on Jefferson Street, Southern Laredo. Went back to Rio Bravo, El Sonido, some of the other colonias, and the circumstances have not improved in thirty-five no, years. They haven't. You're institutionalizing poverty with little hope for these kids to get out of that cycle. And how do we break that cycle? I don't think you do it with a wall. You don't. And it, and if El Ceniso, you know, the mayor of El Ceniso, he's no longer the mayor, but he, he was the mayor for more than a decade, and he was the youngest mayor. I think he was in his 20s right. when he was elected. They made national news for the fact that they conduct all their city business in Spanish and that they were adamantly against any type of wall or any type of uh, barrier and they were in the national news, yet they got n- no coverage on the fact that everybody in that city lives in poverty or right. that they have issues with clean water and lack of food and other resources. None of that was ever talked about. 
they were just talked about for the fact that they conduct their business in Spanish and they don't want a wall. So where are priorities there? Pero la gente habla español, entonces no hay problema. Andale. I don't have a problem with that. I, I mean, uh, I know some people do, and I I know that that's an issue for some, but I think the greater issue, these are Americans. Right. And to see, you know, those who claim they want to make America great again, how do you do that with without addressing the, the poverty people stricken? and the problem? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't, uh, I don't know that we're going. I think this issue is still a political football. It is. It definitely is. And I think that's how Laredoans see it because we've seen this be talked about on the national level for so long now with nothing being done. Right. Well, that's a cheery subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's try to end on a cheery note. Okay. Uh, I still love the, the restaurants down here, but why isn't, no, that's sad too. Why isn't Rosita's in business? El Azador Suiza. I mean, there, there's some great some places. great food down yeah, here. It is. And it is a great place to visit if you've never been. And it still is. You still can go across for the day to Nuevo Laredo. You can. And you know, the Especially city. Especially if you want to get your teeth fixed. Right. Or, or need some medication. <laughs> there right. you go. You know, the city has been working on trying to revitalize downtown. We have a outlet mall that just went up last year right there on the border on the river. You know, that's where the television station <laughs> used, used to, to be, be that exactly. I worked for. Yeah. <laughs> and we would watch. Uh, we could see on occasion illegal immigrants right. come across. But mostly that was a KVTV where my wife was, uh-huh. and they broke through the border fence. But yeah. it wasn't—it was never, you know, like I, I got to tell you, thirty-five years ago there were more. I thought, it, 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 anecdotally, I can tell you, spending the same amount of time. Like I went to the uh, train tracks where mm-hmm. there used to be people jumping for the trains all the time. You would always see as soon as that train pulled up, man, there'd be thirty, forty, fifty people running for to jump on this yeah. train. I saw maybe five or six. Yeah, and I, I mean, it just doesn't seem to be as prevalent as it was and maybe it's because of some of the positive steps the proactive steps that the border patrol has made like trimming the reeds along the river and and i think they've really you know they put a road up near the river so they can patrol back and forth and i think that's been very effective you know they have the carizo cane which is the huge canes that grow right on the riverbanks they've cut a lot of that and tried to although that's a huge problem because it grows back pretty much immediately (laughs) and so that's that's an issue that they're constantly working on how do we get rid of this to for our visibility um and you see border patrol just parked there more often they're patrolling more often we have a horse patrol they patrol on yeah. horses and so you know i've ridden on that horse patrol yeah you, you have not lived till you put, <laughs> put your photographer on a on a horse, <laughs> on a horse. with a bvu 110 recording oh, wow. device and an old icky guy he's, he's got 75 pounds of equipment trying to that ride on a horse, horse. Yeah. <laughs> all i had to do was worry about a wireless mic <laughs> you had it easy yeah had it easy comparatively but you know our city has been working to try to revitalize downtown there are a few new museums and some restaurants popping up downtown and so that is in their long-term goal is to try to bring some tourism to our city people used to come so they could cross the border to go to Nuevo Laredo that was our big tourist draw now we don't necessarily have that so they've tried to San Bernardo Avenue they've tried to make that a whole stretch of shops with Mexican imports because that's what a lot of people like to come and shop for and so there are some things in the works to try to you know, make Laredo a great place to come visit. Man, I just want a rock and roll place, some place where they play music. Right? <laughs> culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be me. But um, listen, Ann, I really appreciate you spending the time with us. And I, I, I think you've, is there anything on this issue that you think we haven't covered? 
You know, I think we've covered it. I think I just encourage people to really do the research and look at the issues. Don't don't just take the headlines. Really look at the numbers um, and, and see what the issue really is. Come visit Laredo. Come see it for yourself. Yeah, I love it. And try the Menudo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Menudo Festival coming up. Is it? There's a menudo? Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember the Jalapeno Eating yeah, Festival. Yeah, that happens in February. Yeah, some guy ate 100 jalapeno oh. peppers. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> If you, if I ate one, I'd be under the table. <laughs> He's popping them like pills, man. Uh-huh. Just... Every February we have Halloween. Yeah, Festival. I remember that, yeah. and I covered it one year. <laughs> <laughs> the year I was here, that was one of the first things I covered. I'm going, nope, nope, don't want to do it. No, not the kid, baby. <laughs> I don't like that hot stuff, but I do like the menu though. Yeah. And if you don't know what it is, try it. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely great, and it's not a rock band. It's actually. <laughs> But it, it's it's good food. But the food is all good down there. It is, yeah. yeah. So, Anne, once again, thanks for joining us. The uh, name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and thanks for joining thank us. Thank you. Thanks for being here. <laughs>